Hello, and welcome to the Financial Emancipation Podcast. I'm your host, Malik Branch, and this is a podcast discussing the ways in which you can walk towards your financial emancipation, getting free from the burden of your finances. Hello, and welcome back. Happy February. Happy Black History Month. Happy 2021 again. I mean, we're just going to keep saying it until we can forget about 2020. (laughs) But it's a new month uh, in a new year. And for me, a lot of times when it comes to setting goals for a new year, uh, February is really when the goals start to get into place. Um, I do a lot of mental preparation in December, but December is a very busy month for me. It's the end of the year. It's Christmas. It's my birthday. You know, it's a lot. So a lot of times for me, I plan a lot of my goals um, in my head, but I don't really write them down until January. And it takes for me the whole month of January to kind of get myself settled in, in what I want to do and how I'm going to go about it. So then February feels like the action month for me. I don't know if that's the case for anybody else, but February definitely is like the action month for me. So I like to kick, kick off February. We're like, okay, I feel like I'm kicking ass when it comes to my goals. And then it, it goes that way from there. So it's we have a few things to talk about, few things to catch up on. I just want to give you guys a little insight into like what's been going on with me. And so I think I mentioned this in the previous podcast, but I got a Peloton bike. <laughs> um, I got the bike back in November. I had ordered it in September. And I had I had um and so back in September I had a surgery and I wasn't going to be able to work out until like mid-November or early November. So I ordered the bike after I had the surgery so that by the time I was able to clear to work out, I was going to be jumping on the bike. I did. I actually really liked it. It was, it was tough in the beginning. I just, you know, you have to stay consistent and stuff like that. But once I was in, I'm like in and I'm totally hooked. And now my friends will tell you that like, like, cause a few of my friends have, I think basically all of my friends have Pelotons. And so like we talk about the bike and different rides and different instructors and all that stuff. But um, but when I first got the bike, I used to do a 20 minute class here and then that would be it. And so the workouts would be short. Now that I'm solely obsessed with the Peloton <laughs> and working out, I'm doing like an hour and five minutes, hour and 10 minutes every time I work out. So I'm doing a, like multiple classes, multiple rides, all different types of training. And so that usually takes up my morning. And as I've mentioned to you guys before, I'm a morning person. So I record the podcast in the morning. And I, so that's where we've had trouble, right? Because I'm working out and then being able to find time to do the podcast. So today is a rest day for me. Worked out yesterday. And so I said to myself, no, today we're going to record the podcast during that time period that you normally would work out before the workday starts. So that's where we are. <laughs> um, if you, the Peloton is, 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 it's great. It's a great, um, it's a great investment for me. Um, I was never really a big gym person. I would go if I had to. I don't, I'm, I've never been really good at working out on my own um, without some sort of like program or guidance or something because usually I would just like, if I get tired, I'm like, I'm done, I'll fin- I'm finished. Or if I'm bored, I'll just quit. And so the fact that I was a little nervous about getting a Peloton because it is an expensive, um, expensive piece of equipment. I said, well, what if I don't want to work out or whatever? But what I, realize with the Peloton is that you're not working out by yourself because there's this whole you know bunch of instructors giving you all this instruction but also there's a community and again this is not a Peloton ad I'm just telling you like how it worked out for me um but it is it does have a cost to it and they allow you to do it in two ways you can buy the bike full out which is about two thousand dollars or you can do a uh, payment plan which is basically they they call it it's like you get for your financing it but it's a zero percent interest and basically everybody gets approved for the zero percent interest so 
it's really just a payment plan. So you, they, you pay per month that plus the membership. So I think that turns out to be about a hundred dollars a month, which is about how much people pay in like gym memberships. Um, and, or you can just pay for the bike full out and then pay for the monthly, uh, membership. So it's, it's if for people who need, um, some sort of ability to work out and do all that stuff. I mean, it's good to have it in your house. Um, it's motivating me. I am working out a lot and way more than I've ever worked out in my whole life. So shouts to me, shouts to that. But I was saying that to say that the mornings are, I'm fighting between the mornings of recording and working out. And so I'm making sure that I am being deliberate, which was one of my goals, being deliberate and scheduling time for the podcast. So there's that. Um, so again, February has so many components. So let's just get right to it. Um, I wanted to, to mention, as I always do in the month of February, um, money and relationships. I'm going to get that out the way early. I know that we we talk about this every year and I've had podcast after podcast about it. Um, but I want to keep talking about it because it keeps coming up. You know, there's so many components to love and money. There's dating and, and money. There's a relationship and money. There's marriage and money. There's money and kids. I mean, all of your interpersonal relationships really do have components of money. But when you talk about love, and I mean romantic love, being in a dating relationship, marriage, and how money impacts that, it is a very thorny topic that comes with a lot of expectations that people aren't often comfortable expressing. But when they do, um, it's usually after they've already gotten into the relationship. So, you know, sometimes people, women, I hear women a lot talk about this where they say, that, you know, they want a man, they want a man to take care of them financially. And I often tell my friends, because all of my friends were around the same age, if not older, that that is a dream and a goal you should have invested in when you were much younger. Because when you walk into being a 40-year-old woman, 40-plus-year-old woman, you know, it, to get a man to take care of you financially has its own challenges because you are someone, you are an adult, <laughs> you're an adult. And so when you were 25 and some 40 year old man might've come and taken care of you, it's different. So when you discuss, okay, how do we want to characterize uh, um, how you live in a relationship as far as money? And I've heard many of my friends and they know cause they're listening, you know, talk about, I don't want to do 50, 50, um, I don't want to do 50-50. I don't believe in 50-50. 50-50 is not, I don't, as my as my best friend says, I don't want a roommate. And I'm like, girl, it's not a roommate for someone to pay 50-50, right? But I do think that we have to get into the depths of what that what that really means when you want to be taken care of financially by, a per, by someone who you're in a relationship with, particularly for women, and deal with what that is emotionally that you're trying to deal with. Because on the paper and pen side of it, most of my friends are earning, are high earners. And if you're a high earner, you have to then find someone who's an even higher earner because he needs to take care of you himself, probably the kids he's coming to the stage with, probably the bills he's coming, the student loan, the debt. He got to handle all of that. So then your expectation is that he's a very high earner. And, and and that's 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 not an it's just you have to then date to that you have to be dating to look for someone who's going to be a super high earner because just by the virtue of someone's gender they have a penis they're a male does not mean that they are able and capable financially to take care of you 
meaning they pay 100% of the household bills in your house and themselves because that is that's very unrealistic at this stage in our lives particularly when you yourself are a high earner if you are someone who doesn't earn a lot of money it may be easy for someone to scoop in your lifestyle along with theirs if they're a higher earner but if a person if you come into the table making six figures you know you need somebody to make like double triple six figures to be able to absorb you and their own life and again there's nothing wrong with that if that's what you want but you have to be realistic about the numbers because at the end of the day this is just math and so I, I encourage us to talk about how we feel about money and what we expect from money, expect from our partners, particularly, you know, this is the month of love, Valentine's Day. Uh, we need to talk about what we expect from our partners and what we expect financially from a relationship um, as we're getting into it in the dating situations. You know, I know a lot of women who would say the same thing, say, I want someone to take care of you. But then when they go out on dates with guys, oh, there's a time when they'll... um you know, they, they, the guy will pay for it and they'll say, oh, well, I, I covered this or I did that. If you really want somebody to take care of you, you need to never take your hand out your pocket. Your hand needs to stay firmly in your, in your pocket because you don't really want to begin that trend. And you need to be open and verbal about that in the beginning of a dating relationship that I'm looking for a serious relationship where um, I'm looking for someone who's financially stable, who's going to be willing to take care of me financially. You should be able to be honest and say that, particularly at this stage in our lives, because if that's what you want, you have to say it. And for men, you know, if you're looking to be someone who takes care of another person, um, you have to be open to hearing that and then saying that, that that's what you're willing to do. And you shouldn't take on that responsibility if you really can't afford to. Um, I always say that people, you know, men who are, if you don't have the money, you shouldn't date because you shouldn't be putting yourself out there as someone who can financially take care of a person, even by virtue of going on dates and spending money on the dates, if you can't actually do it. We shouldn't lie. We shouldn't set false, you know, set up false things. So that's gonna that's my point about about love and money. I say it every year. I t- I say it all the time, and it's just appropriate this year because it's a conversation that continues to keep going. Um, and you know, and I'll just give you finally my my suggestion, financial emancipation suggestion for when you are merging and becoming a household of one, as to who pays what bills. It is my suggestion that you should. All the bills should be outlined as to what they are and the total of the bills. And the income that the household has should be made, should be added up as a total. You make a hundred, he makes 50, right? That's a $150,000 household. What percentage of the total amount of household income do I bring in? And what percentage of the total household income does he bring in? And whatever that percentage is, that is the percentage that you should pay in the bills. So if you bring in 70% of the household income, you should pay 70% of the household bills. And that is what allows it to be quote unquote fair. And it's not even quote unquote, it is fair because I am, I am contributing to the household based on the percentage of the amount of money I bring into the household. And that, that should go no matter who, what gender, whoever is who makes the money. Because if you say 50-50 and I make 150 and you make 50, you are spending way more of your income than I am to live in this household. And therefore, you are going to be broken. I'm going to be good. That doesn't make any sense. So um, it should definitely be a percentage. And that would make it so that everyone still has their own money. 
They have their own separate money that they can utilize for all their other bills and stuff. And they're not being overly drained by the fact that they have to contribute 50-50 to the household. So that is my suggestion if you want it about how we should deal with merging households financially um, in a way that will be fair to both parties, regardless of gender. Okay, so we got the love out the way, which is never out the way because love is a beautiful thing. It's, it's, a, it's a good thing. Um, so let's talk a little bit about GameStop. <laughs> I think in the last episode, I talked to you guys about the fact that everyone was really running towards this investment in stocks and everybody was kind of like racing and running and everybody thought, you know, that they were there was going to be this way to get over as it relates to the stock market. And one thing you should know about stocks and people who run stocks and 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 the people who really are in there making that money, a lot of them are cheaters and liars and things of that nature. And that's by virtue of what they do. But one thing they always will do is protect that market. And no matter what comes in, um, when they see something, when someone figures something out, they will always protect that market. And what you saw happening with GameStop was a market manipulation. And market manipulations tend to be illegal um, because of the fact that usually the only people who can manipulate the market are those who are in it like playing in it and those people that there are SEC rules that allow that don't allow for you to do market manipulation um, because of the, the, the because of exactly what happened with GameStop and what you saw this time is that basically a lot of individuals got together and followed the direction of some folks who gave some insight and allowed for a, a massive amount of individuals to manipulate the market which boosted up GameStop's value in stock so that people bought it and then people were able to sell it and get a profit off of it. Um, but it was a garbage stock. It, the stock had no actual value. And so for those people who did, who who were in it and bought it right away and had sold it right away, they made a little bit of money. But if you bought it thinking that this was going to continue right now, you're looking and seeing that your stock is very much valued and at the same level or even less than when you purchased it. Because at the end of the day, GameStop was a garbage stock. Um, it showed some weaknesses in the market. It showed weaknesses in, in, in the ability for the market to be manipulated. And the SEC is working very hard to implement reg regulations to not allow that to happen. I'm not saying that's a good thing, bad thing, or anything. I'm just telling you that that's what was going to happen. Heads up to anybody who did, made those purchases and sold those stocks. Know that you are going to be required to pay capital gains tax when you're taxed, when you file your taxes next year. Keep that in mind. Um, you know, listen, Things are fine. People are home. They're bored. If you want to just know that there's not nothing in this in the market of stocks and stuff is 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 without consequence. So as long as you're aware of the consequence, the consequences and the risk, then you can you can get into it if you have some money to spare. It is very hard to make short term investments and wins into the stock market. Um, it, it's a long-term game. It's a very big risk game. You have to go in. You have to be wet, ready to kind of invest for a while. You have to have some money that you're willing to not have access to and put up. And that is not, that's not a lot. That's not something that a lot of small, smaller time investors have the ability to do. But if you want to get involved in it, just do your research is my point. And if you want to make investments, do your research on any type of investment and know that you any investment is like gambling, right? You have to be willing and able to lose the money. Whether it's $200, $2,000 or $200,000, you have to be willing and able to lose the money. And if you're in that position and you want to make in these investments, you want to buy some stocks, you want to go through these um 
these these places where you can do where they allow you to do small investments um and, and buy stocks in individual in, in, in on an individual basis I don't discourage it. I'm just saying do your research because, and not research via the internet and social media. Do actual research so that you know exactly what you're getting yourself into. You know the tax implications of it on the back end and you know that and you are willing and able to lose money if that's what is going to happen because there's a big likelihood that it could happen. Also, you know, know that there are a lot of things that are backed by the stock market. The stock market backs most of your your 401ks, your pensions in some instances, you know, your all types of banks and things are standing up on the stock market. And it is it seems fun to manipulate it and cause other people to lose money and stuff. But what you don't realize is that a lot of the things that are held up by the stock market are things that certain people need. So during that week, a period of time with someone where the internet and everybody was having fun with the market manipulation, somebody was trying to retire and cash out their 401k and that person was losing tremendously. And I know that we don't care about individual people um, as a society. No one cares. Everyone's just like, let's get the bad guys in the stock market and the folks are bad guys. And I get it. I get it. I get it. But there are real world implications to these things that I think a lot of people who are playing with this because they're home and they're bored and they need something to, to do are not considering that. And, um, you know, there are people who there are implications for them that you don't think of. And that, you know, it's just something to consider when you look at it as just being a game. Okay. So I want to talk about my own, um, goals for the year. I talked about my savings goals, um, being, being that I wanted to double my savings. I wanted to double the savings, um, allocation that I have for the month. And I did that. So I went from, I was saving and I was saving, uh, $1,500 a month. And I went to now saving $3,000 a month. So the first time, the first two paychecks in January were, were where that hit. And, you know, it was, well, actually it was the second paycheck in January and the first paycheck in February. And at first it felt like, oh, you know, this is, this is tough. This is going to be a little tougher than I imagined, but it, but it wasn't as bad as I thought. And what I realized and what I tell you guys is all of your money should be allocated somewhere. And what I was finding was that, um, any, the money that I had that wasn't designated to my savings was just sitting there and then getting spent and wasted. And so I wanted to be very deliberate about making sure that all of my money was accounted for, which is why I increased my savings allocation. And what I see now is that when I look into my bank account, um, you know, after I'm paying my bills and just doing normal things, grocery shopping, et cetera, um, as is leading up to payday, my, uh, my, my balance is lower. And that's because I'm not just letting money sit there. That money's already been allocated someplace else. So it's as if it's gone. And so I'm not trying to spend it. And it helps me, it helped me to realize how much money I had been wasting and uh, allow me to allocate that towards these long-term financial goals that I have, which is to save, which is to tremendously increase my savings so that I can have money there so I can do things that I want to do, down payment on a, on a second home, um, do some home to household renovations, things like that. So I tell you guys this because, you know, you guys will help me be accountable. And also because I think it's, it's, it, it's something that, you know, I make a lot of sacrifices 
in my own and the, the, the expenses that I choose to incur so that I can have the surplus to save because of the savings goals that I have. So I'm a big proponent of not living to your income. I think that, you know, you can have a lifestyle that costs a certain amount. And then when you get beyond like you can, even if you begin to earn beyond that, you don't have to increase your lifestyle for every dollar you earn, right? So you don't have, you get a raise, you get a $20,000 raise. You don't have to then go get things that's going to cost you more. You don't have, you can, you can stick to what you've been doing and how you've been living, particularly if you're not in a situation where you've been going without basic needs. So if you have what you need, you have a place to live. You have a car that works and is operating. You have these things. You don't have to then say, oh, I got a $20,000 raise. Let me get a more expensive apartment. Let me get a more expensive car. Because you'll never feel the raise and you'll never be able to kind of get ahead. So if you get a raise and when you get, because that's what we're claiming for this year, when you get a raise or a pay increase, you don't have to immediately, you should not immediately begin to live to that raise. If you have a question about how to build up your savings, one of the key things, one of the ways I built up my savings a few years ago was I got a raise. I think at that point I got like a $10,000 raise. And what I did was I calculated the difference that would be in my pay at the end, every every pay period. And I, I went for six months straight of just taking that money and allocating it to my savings. So it was as if I didn't get the raise because I didn't need it. In the sense of, I didn't need to, I didn't, it wasn't like I was waiting for the money to come. So something I could do, I, I could have done more things, but I felt like there was nothing, I didn't want to, I wanted to actually get that money into my savings. And so I, I just remained living to the expenses that I had. And that helped me to pad up my savings. You know, there's a big temptation when you get a raise that you're getting more money and you're like, I just want to spend it because there's things I wanted to do. But if you really think about the things you wanted to do, are they necessary? Are they required? Are there things that you have to do? Or are they just things that you think because I have money, I should spend it? And we're all very susceptible to that. I have money, so I should spend it. I have it, so I should spend it. And having money doesn't mean you have to spend it. And we need to get that mantra going is that just because I've earned more money doesn't mean I have to spend it on things. I don't have to, my lifestyle doesn't have to change for every dollar that I make. Because they think about that on the back end. When if something comes up and you end up losing your job or you have to take a pay cut, you have to make some significant cuts to your lifestyle. And some of them are hard to make in a moment's notice. And when that happens, you can end up really struggling when you shouldn't have to be. And so you just, people are living, you have people who are earning 50,000, 30,000 living paycheck to paycheck. And you have people who are earning 200,000 living paycheck to paycheck because folks are living right to their expenses. Now, when you earn less money, Sometimes you're living right to your expenses because you know you have to. And so there's no shame and there's no heat, no judgment in that. But the more money that you make and then you end up continuing to go up and up against that, you will find that the more money you make, you still feel broke. And I know many people listening to this right now can relate to that. Like I keep making more money, but I still feel broke. That's because you keep increasing your lifestyle. It's called lifestyle creep. Every time you earn a dollar, you you find something to spend it on. When you do that, you will always feel broke, no matter how much money you make. And the reason and brokenness is when you are living and spending exactly the same. That is brokenness. You ain't got a penny to spare. You ain't got nothing to spare you. All you got is exactly what you bring in, and you got a, you have an obligation for everything. So that's how that's how when things come up, you can't address them because you're like, oh, I have nothing to spare. 
And that is what we discourage, absolutely discourage from that. Do not, you don't need to creep your lifestyle up for every penny that you earn. And if you find yourself doing that, this is a good time to make adjustments. This is a very good time to make adjustments on that because it, it, it really will make you feel as though the hard work that you're doing is not paying off. But that's not what it is. <laughs> it's that you are not allowing yourself to actually feel the hard work that you're doing pay off because you're spending every dime that you have. So just keep that in mind. As far as lifestyle creep, it's a real thing and it's a big thing. And it's a thing that can happen without you even noticing it. And the only reason you don't notice it is because you're not being deliberate in how you are managing your finances. So I'm gonna wrap up by saying that it's 2021. We wanna really focus on our goals, our financial goals here. This is a good time to write it down. I always say this, even if you're writing it in the notes in your phone, write it down. Write down what your financial goals are. Write down how you're gonna get there. And a new thing I wanna add to this is write down how you feel about it. Write down how you feel about it because what I'm learning is that the feelings people attach to money are very much um, related to things unmoney unmoney related. So you have these feelings and they're about um, your worth and your safety and your security and things that aren't really actually about money but about other ways in which you use money to make you feel secure, safe, happy, all these things. And I think if you think about that, Look at how you are using money to make those feelings, um, to, to deal with those feelings. If you write, write that down, you may be able to learn or figure out how to deal with those feelings without money and then let money be the thing that it is, just a practical, um, normal practice of, of exchanging of, of resources rather than something that makes you feel good about yourself or bad about yourself in any way, shape, or form. So I'm gonna stop there for today. Um, I want to say that we are off to a good start in 2021 in life. Um, I feel very good about, you know, the way in which things are going. I'm really focusing myself on trying to have a lot more positive um, and optimistic views because it it doesn't help to be pessimistic and it doesn't serve me and it doesn't serve the universe for me to keep putting out negativity. So I've been focusing a lot on positive energy and it's really been coming back to me really well. So I, I, I would just, I will offer that up to you guys. Um, if you know, if you haven't already done so, please follow me on Instagram, financial emancipation, um, and join me on clubhouse. If you have a clubhouse, I'm on clubhouse Malik branch, M A L I E K branch. And if you have any questions for me, feel free to email me Malik M A L I E K at thefinancialemancipation.com. Thank you again for listening. And I hope that we'll be back again next week, maybe the week after, to continue to discuss the ways in which you can walk towards your financial freedom. Have a great day.